welcome back to another episode of the podcast i arpatyagi and i bhavya dua we are your hosts in the last episode we discussed various indian fintechs which have took off in the recent past and how demonetization was one of the reasons why indian fintech industry became so big we also mentioned how the growth which came because of demonetization didn't last for long and the reasons behind it in this episode we are going to talk about some of the popular international startups and i will begin with one of my favorites that is revolt now revolt is an app that i use every day it is a london based all in one solution to your financial needs an online bank can transfer money to various different currencies in real time if you use their card to pay then you can see a detailed analysis of where you spend your money for example it shows me that what percentage of my money i'm spending on groceries fast food restaurant and others it is a very useful feature because it shows me exactly how much money i'm spending on mcdonalds so it helps to keep a check on myself that's really interesting you also told me about how it's helping you save more money than before would you like to elaborate on that uh i think the major reason is it's just psychological when you can exactly see the your expenditure in the recent week how much money you're spending there you're just more mindful of your purchases or or your spendings so i think it's just that it it's making me more mindful of how much money i'm spending at different places and that just naturally makes me spend lesser on the things that i don't need and i just wants and other than that it has an amazing feature called vault where you can put some amount of money every month basically it's kind of a piggy bank that we used when we were kids but the best part is for every purchase you make it rounds off the number to nearest 10 and puts that extra money into the vault so you never know and when at the end of the month you check your vault you have some sizable amount of savings in the vault and the features list does not end here I bought my first stock on the app because it allows me to make 3 trades every month on the Nasdaq commission free. It doesn't end at stocks. You can buy cryptocurrencies, gold, silver, all just from the app. So it is actually a all-in-one solution for all the financial needs. Revolt is currently available in UK, Europe, US, Singapore, Japan and Australia. It currently has 13 million customers. That's really interesting. It has gained quite a large market in a very less amount of time. But I read somewhere that it still isn't making much profits. Is that true? Well, that's very true. Revolt has been working for 5 years and it's still to make its first profit. But it might surprise a lot of our listeners that Uber even after 10 years of operation is yet to make profit Amazon the company that made its CEO the richest person on the planet took almost 10 years to make its first profit the first profit in 2003 was a meager 35 million on a turnover of 5 billion Facebook took 5 years to become profitable these companies keep on sacrificing profit for the sake of growth following a strategy of long term growth over short term profits they grow grow and grow when they have and when they have eliminated the competition they try to start reaping the profits hmm so the system of the disruptor works as long as he can generate the growth 
and prompt investors to stomp up new cash. The billion dollar IPOs of Facebook and Uber showed how this works or sometimes not as has been evidenced by the failure of the WeWork IPO. Well, that's true. With this, let's go ahead and discuss one of the not one of the but the largest fintech startup existing today and financial. So 5 years ago, Chinese fintech and financial didn't exist. and today it's one of the largest financial institutions in the world according to 2019 report and which is an affiliate of alibaba group was 50% bigger than goldman sachs and ants most recent valuation came at 150 billion dollars compared to 99 billion dollars of goldman sachs to this while some say that ant financial operates in a larger market and therefore larger scale is to be expected this doesn't explain the ant's runaway growth with the chinese market that has long standing bags gnashing their teeth the key to ant's growth lies in its platform based business model well ant financial as you said is the biggest fintech startup but before this episode i hadn't heard the name of the company and what exactly is this platform based business model you are talking about so many people would have heard alipay and this model starts with alipay which is similar to paypal alipay processes payments between any two users whether they are shoppers and small businesses roommates or street performers or commuters alipay has over 700 million active users and completed over 8 trillion dollars in transactions in 2017 which is equivalent to 65% of china's gdp in a cross selling move that is as old as business itself and financial also offers other financial services through ecosystems for insurance credit loans credit scorings and wealth management so that captive audience uh, to that captive audience what's interesting about and financial is how it has managed to mine gold from its alipay customer base and use that data to create multiple interlocking platform businesses in financial services so alipay isn't and's only financial service platform it also owns and operates an open insurance marketplace which offers around 80 insurance companies it also offers asset management and wealth manage- management services to uh, through its other platforms and not only this even many of the major mutual fund managers of china have come and collaborated with and financial because of its reach to 180 million users so basically alibaba and ant financial are china's reliance well maybe but with uh, the larger the growth comes more regulations from the government and ant size has made it an important entity in the chinese financial industry and yet ant is not licensed as a bank in a country where most large financial institutions are owned or controlled by the government and success is unusual thus it's not surprising that the chinese government plans to implement new financial regulations to oversee large fintech companies according to bloomberg the rules may force and and some of its peers that straddle at least two financial industries to obtain licenses from the china central bank and meet minimum capital requirements for the first time and if 
uh, some of the other fintech startups think how it can compete with Ant Financial to reach as one of the largest fintech startups, then Ant Financial isn't just content to capture the Chinese market. It's also exploring its model abroad throughout Asia. It's made substantial investments in Southeast Asia and India, including India's uber-successful Alipay clone, Paytm. It's also gotten involved with high-profile partnerships in Europe, but has made less headway in that region. So for companies suddenly faced with the prospect of competing against Ant Financial, the recipe for success is to combine the best aspects of Ant's model with what traditional financial institutions already do well. So the key here is the platform's mindset that underlies everything that Ant does. A platform... Uh, a platform approach strengthened by a traditional financial institution's customer base and resources will result in a potent combination that even and may find hard to match. Wow, and financial is really difficult to compete with. I wouldn't want to be a company that is competing with and financial. Because what happens in most cases is like what happened with Paytm. Alibaba just bought a big stake in Paytm. So basically, Paytm is now a part of Alibaba. That's what we see Facebook doing. Anybody comes close to competing with Facebook, they buy them. Like they bought Instagram, they bought Oculus, they bought WhatsApp. Well, that's how mergers and acquisitions work in the financial world. (laughs) Yep, yep. So now, not getting away from the topic of discussion, let's talk about the next startup, PayPal. PayPal, founded in 1998, originally named Confinity, and at that time their business model was selling security software for handheld devices. But the handheld devices market was not very mature at that time. We are talking about 1998. So they decided to focus on mobile wallet business. In 1999, Confinity merged with X.com, which was an online banking company founded by none other than Elon Musk. And then they started focusing on digital payments and wallets. PayPal has expanded their business using acquisitions which have given them more customers and technical knowledge developed by other companies. Until the end of 2019, PayPal had acquired 22 startups, the names of which include Honey, Zoom, Venmo, GoPay, amongst many others. Some of you might be thinking that how does PayPal make money? PayPal is a very trustworthy brand. A lot of people, when they see that they can pay at a place using PayPal, they feel secure because they know that their money is protected. So the way PayPal makes money is from merchants. Like merchants who want to find a way to take take payments from customers on their website, they pay PayPal a monthly fee and some purchase of every transaction made on their website for the API integration of PayPal onto their website. And that is how PayPal's business model works. They need to have more and more amount of customers or people using PayPal so that then they can push merchants to have PayPal integrated into their website. The more people use PayPal, the more merchants will be pushed to have PayPal integrated into their website. Hmm, That's really an interesting model and a model which encourages more and more people to join in the platform. 
in the beginning days of paypal in 2002 and 3 paypal used to just give away 5 10 20 dollars for people just to join the platform so that they could get more consumers and then later on force the merchants to pay it that's some really nice marketing skills being used here yeah so now coming to the next topic of discussion we going to discuss about robin hood so many people here would have heard the name robin hood in some of the other sense but not many would have heard this name in the fintech industry so robin hood was founded in april 2013 and the company's name comes from its mission to provide everyone with the access to the financial markets and not just the wealthy and as of january 2015 80% of the firm's customers belonged to the millennial demographic and the average customer age was 26 50% of the users who have made a trade use the app daily and 90% use the app weekly and by 2018 february robinhood had 3 million users account around the same number as the online online broker e-trade So from here we can see how it majorly follows its company's name provide access to everyone and not just the wealthy and in May 2020 it was announced that Robinhood had raised 8 to 80 million dollars in venture funding at a pre-money valuation of 8.3 billion dollars led by Sequoia Capital and 3 months later the company announced a 200 million dollar series G funding round from a new investor so that that is what portrays how great the business model of robinhood is and how much not just the customer attraction but also the investor attraction it's gaining well robinhood has certainly captured the meme market especially because you can see a lot of if you are into investing you can see a lot of memes about how robinhood traders trade because generally robinhood had bought has bought trading to the inexperienced and other people who were not previously inclined to investing in trading so they just bring a completely new segment of people to the market and they have their peculiar ways of investing and trading so if you are into investing you will see a lot of memes related to robinhood on instagram and facebook and i think that's a great way of marketing their app because they like that that's true and on january 25 2018 robinhood announced a waitlist for its commission free cryptocurrency trading and by the end of the first day the waitlist had grown to 12 lakh 50000 users so and other than that it also offers some banking related uh, services as uh, in relation with savings bank accounts debit cards and so on and so forth but not to forget there has been a charge of security breach on robinhood in july 2019 robinhood admitted to storing customer passwords in clear text and in readable form across their internal systems according to emails it sent to the affected customers robinhood declined to say how many customers were affected by the error and claims that it did not find evidence of the abuse but sec probe on selling clients orders was also one of the major charges against it on september 2 2020 which is just 20 days ago the wall street journal reported that robinhood was under sec investigation for failing to 
fully disclosed selling clients orders to high speed trading firms with the potential of 10 million plus dollars fine Also quite recently just 20 days ago on September 2 2020 the Wall Street Journal reported that Robin Hood was under SEC investigation for failing to fully disclose selling clients orders to high speed trading firms with a potential of 10 million dollars plus fine So that's all about Robin Hood it has been in the market it has been down both for its pros and for its cons for a really long time now i think we have covered four really nice international startups which at least one of these our customers our listeners would not be aware of hmm. we hope hope that we have given some new information to our listeners so with that i think we should end this episode yeah we really and... want to keep our episodes short we really want to keep them short so as to not not take a lot of time of our listeners Okay so with that we your hosts sign off stay tuned for our next episode